0: This is VLX number 112, Become Like Children. We are in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. VLX stands for Video Lexio Divino, the Patristic Bible Study and Ignatian Prayer Series Online. God give you his peace. In nomine et Filii et spiritus santi. Amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Okay, so if you remember the last section, Jesus miraculously paid the taxes for only him and Peter via those two coins that were miraculously found by Peter in the mouth of the fish he had found. That was the end of Matthew 17 and our last VLX. Now, you probably thought that has nothing to do with today's section, just as I didn't, but I learned from Father Lapide. It very much does. These two are connected. If you remember, the uh, chapter delineations were added much later in church history. Well, Father Lapide quotes St. Jerome talking about the jealousy of the other disciples for that entire event in the last VLX that plays into today's events with this child, which, again, I had thought uh, had nothing to do with today's events. But you're going to see they're very they're very linked. St. Jerome writes... Because they, that is the disciples, because they saw the same piece of money had paid the tribute for both Peter and the Lord from the equality of the payment, they thought Peter was preferred above the rest of the apostles since he was placed on par with the Lord in rendering tribute or taxes. Therefore, says St. Jerome, they asked who is the greater in the kingdom of heaven? End quote. Okay, so now picture Jesus and the 12 apostles, probably still in Capernaum. And that, by the way, that's a really beautiful little town where you can still see the ruins of Peter's home. I've been there, but there is a website called biblicalarchaeology.org. Biblicalarchaeology.org. That tells more than I can remember. So I will quote it with a picture of what they took of Capernaum on the screen. And this is a really good uh, description if you're doing the imaginative way of prayer to understand you can still place, place yourself in such a town. Biblicalarchaeology.org reads: For much of his adult life, Jesus resided in the small fishing village of Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. It was here, during the infancy of early Christianity, that he began his ministry in the town synagogue. Mark chapter one verse twenty-one recruited his first disciples. Mark one16 to twenty and became renowned for his power to heal the sick and the infirm. Mark chapter 3, 1 through 5. Early travelers to the site had long recognized the beautifully preserved remains of the ancient synagogue that many believe marked the site, if not the actual building of Jesus' earliest teaching. But an important detail of how Christianity began still remained. Where in the town had Jesus actually lived? Where was the house of Peter, which the Bible suggests was the house of Jesus in Capernaum? Matthew eight fourteen to 16. Italian excavators working in Capernaum may have actually uncovered the remnants of the humble house of Peter that Jesus called home while in Capernaum. This house of Peter was one of the first biblical archaeology discoveries reported in BAR more than 25 years ago. Buried beneath the remains of an octagonal Byzantine martyrium church, excavators found the ruins of a rather mundane dwelling dating to the first century BC. Although slightly larger than most, The house was simple, with coarse walls and a roof of earth and straw. Like most early Roman period houses, it consisted of a few small rooms clustered around two open courtyards. Despite later proving to be one of the most exciting biblical archaeology discoveries, the home appeared quite ordinary. According to the excavators, however, it is what happened to the house after the middle of the first century AD that marked it as an exceptional and most likely the house of Peter the home of Jesus in Capernaum, end quote. Okay, so this is where that last event took place where Peter found that fish and paid taxes for Jesus and himself. And then as we begin Matthew 18, we have no change of location mentioned. So we're probably still here, probably still in Capernaum, that town on the Sea of Galilee or Lake Tiberias, same thing. But we can assume these 12 apostles are outside on some crossroads in that little town, since jesus is about to call a stranger to them so if you're doing the imaginative way of prayer picture this beautiful sunny day with just the slightest breeze off like lake tiberias maybe it's the afternoon and some men are going out to fish others are getting ready to fish there's probably some families listening to jesus in the peripheries but the inner circle is the apostles and yes they are upset when they heard peter was treated with priority yet again on this miracle, paying taxes for all 12? No, just Jesus and Peter. And so we start Matthew 18 that says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. Okay, now let me pause there for a minute. I want to look at the Greek of verse 2. Again, we are in Matthew chapter 18, verse 2. And what we have in the Greek there is proskalesamenos paidion. Proskalesamenos paidion. Now that first v- verb was actually a um, a participle, and you heard the word call in there, and that's actually the root word of our English word call. The second word I just said there is paideon or small boy. It's where we get words like pedantic and pediatric, paideon. But the next words are really interesting to me. Esteson auto. Literally, he stood him up there. Now, that didn't mean the little boy was seated and then, you know, Jesus propped him up like a little top or something. But he did have him stand. Where? Where did he have him stand? The next words is, En mezo auton. En is the same in English, which is in. Mezo is middle. And auton is the plural referring to the apostles. So, and mezzo is in the middle of. So it's very clear in the Greek that we always miss in the English, I think. It's very clear in the Greek that Jesus stood this boy right in the very middle or midst of all these apostles who were grumpy about who was the best. They simply had to stare at this Pideon, this little boy, right after they asked who was the greatest. Father Lapide writes, They had heard that Christ was shortly to die and rise again and enter into his glorious kingdom, and they prematurely were occupying themselves about these things, seeing how they might become the first. Father Lapide uses the word ambition at least three times. And then let's enter again into the exact text of Matthew 18. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Now, if you're like me, you probably read St. Therese of Lisieux, her autobiography years ago. It was about 20 plus years ago I read it. And then later in your spiritual life, you got bored with that whole idea of childlike approach to God. But I have to admit right now, every time I ask God what big virtues he wants me to work on, it's still the words from her autobiography that come to me every single time. Page 193 of her autobiography, Jesus does not ask for glorious deeds. He asks only for self-surrender and gratitude. Every time I'm looking for some great gift of fortitude of martyrdom or miracles or whatever, I'm led right back in my heart to this line. Jesus does not ask for glorious deeds. He asks only for self-surrender and gratitude. Now, I'll admit, I don't think ever since the Aryan crisis have lay people ever doubted the hierarchy's leadership as much as today. And this makes for all these different YouTube Catholic personalities who think they have some important mission, including myself, in your life. But I have to say, I was really knocked off my high horse in preparing for today's VLX. First, because of how the apostles were arguing about who was most important. And that's very easy to do when you think you have like some mission on YouTube. Um, but then also, the shocking events of really placing this child amidst these apostles who were looking to hear one of them probably was going to be the greatest. But secondly, or thirdly, I should say, how much... Father Lapidé rips on ambition in the the spiritual life. You see, humility is one of those virtues where we know it's important, but, well, we start to get bored hearing about it because we think that in such a church crisis as today, we need these loud, courageous voices. And you know what? We actually do. We do need loud, courageous voices, but we're going to see we get absolutely nowhere without first letting Christ build or probably rather rebuild new foundations of humility. Wait till you hear some of the shocking things that Lapidae and even the church fathers say about childlike humility. I say that so that you can understand that St. Therese was on very, very solid ground for everything she said. Yes, it is true in some sense she rediscovered the gospel of the approach to Christ as a child, but what we're gonna hear is you can't get anywhere without that, and even the church fathers admit that. So first, Father Lapidus shows this wasn't an accident Christ picked a child. He writes, Generally speaking, children do not envy others, nor covet precedence, but are simple, humble, innocent, and candid. Okay, maybe you knew that. Um, and we always say that St. Therese is the, is the little way, right? Well, how about someone who followed the big way, like St. Anthony of the Desert? What would someone like Saint Anthony of the Desert, a uh, maybe we could say a big saint, what would he have to say about humility? Well, do you know, just to prove what a great saint he was, there were other priests alive during his time in the fourth century, and they were kicking out demons in his name, even before he had died, and from very far far distances away from him. Now that is a big saint, if Therese is a little one. But still, listen to what Saint Anthony of the Desert writes about humility. Father lapidy says. St. Anthony saw in spirit the whole world full of snares and souls who desired to fly to heaven caught in them and being thus trapped by the demons thrust in hell. St. Anthony then cried out with groans, O Lord, who shall escape all these snares? And he heard the answer, Humility shall escape them all. Humility shall escape them all. Another desert father, I can't remember if it was St. Anthony of Saint or St. Moses the Black, but he said this, this line, and this should stop you in your tracks as much as it did me. He wrote, You fast, as in refrain from food. You fast, but Satan does not eat. You labor fervently, but Satan never sleeps. The only dimension with which you can outperform Satan is by acquiring humility. Okay, and why is that? Well, it's because Satan has none. It's the only way we can really outdo him. So remember Therese, St. Therese of Lisieux, she was quoted in exorcisms after her death. So we see the great power Christ has chosen in highlighting this little way again, this little way of childhood that this is not a weak virtue. Humility is the entire basis of the crucifixion with which Christ defeated Satan. And how do we get to humility and charity? Again, St. Therese, Jesus does not ask for glorious deeds. He asks only for self-surrender and gratitude. That's her autobiography, page 193. And really, those are two virtues that a very weak and poor child can really work on, self-surrender and gratitude. The apostles here were shocked because they knew Jesus wasn't playing around whenever he answered anything. So why in the world did he put a child in the midst of them? Father Lapide writes, Christ then bids us become like little ones, not in lack of wisdom or prudence, but in simplicity and innocence. C.S. Lewis once said, God wants us to have adult minds, but children's hearts. And that's essentially what Father Lapide just said, just in more 16th century terms. But think about it. Postmodern society wants you to have the opposite. They want you to have adult hearts that can't forgive. And then these undeveloped brains that can't even ask, for example, as we've seen in the media lately, what is a woman? Well, rejecting basic science is not humility. Again, C.S. Lewis, God wants us to have adult brains, but children's hearts. And yes, children are sharp, candid, and forgive quickly. Did you ever think of how Christ fulfilled this in himself? St. Jerome wrote, he fulfilled this by his example when he washed his disciples' feet when he kissed his betrayer, when he conversed with the Samaritan woman, when he talked with Mary sitting at his feet about the kingdom of heaven, when rising from the dead, he appeared first to the women. Now notice in all those examples how simple and approachable Jesus really is. Really anybody that wasn't playing him could have easily had him as his best friend. That's why I don't like movies that make him so otherworldly, kind of like Zeffirelli's Jesus of Nazareth. On the other hand, I don't really like the movies like Chosen that misses divinity. Yeah, Chosen seems to get the miracles, but somehow still misses the the divinity of Christ. But see, when you really study the Gospels with the church fathers, you start to see this almost childlike personality of Jesus that St. Jerome just described, but without that childishness that's in the Chosen. Listen again to St. Jerome. He fulfilled this by his example when he washed his disciples' feet, when he kissed his betrayer, when he conversed with a Samaritan woman, when he talked with Mary sitting at his feet about the kingdom of heaven, when rising from the dead, he appeared first to the women. Father Lapide continues on page 190. It is as though Christ said, So pleasing to me is humility, which is the foundation and the measure of spiritual perfection, that I delight even in little children, because they bear humility about with them in their stature. It is as though Christ said, So pleasing to me is humility, which is the foundation and the measure of spiritual perfection, that I delight even in little children, because they bear humility about with them in their stature, their age, their innocence, just as St. Francis of Assisi delighted in them, and also in lambs which represent Christ, the Lamb of God. And I would have all my disciples become little children, and imitate little children, and so deserve to be received by all men. For men will think that in them they receive me, because they receive them for my sake. For of me, Isaiah prophesied in chapter 9, verse 6, for a child is born to us, and a son is given to us. So remember, humility is not just being sweet, but it's actually necessary to have a very sharp theological intellect too. St. John Climacus wrote, The stag is the slayer of all venomous wild beasts, but humility is the murderess of all intellectual vices. So humility is actually required to be a sharp theological mind. St. Bernard of Clairvaux wrote, If you cannot equal Mary's absolute purity, at least imitate her humility. The virtue of chastity is admirable, but humility is essential. A simple invitation calls to the first. He that can take, let him take it. He's talking about celibacy specifically. Of course, everyone needs chastity according to their own state in life to to achieve heaven. But St. Bernard continues. For the second, we have an absolute command. Unless you become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Chastity, again, I think he means celibacy here. Therefore, will be rewarded. Humility will be demanded we can be saved without virginity, but not without humility. Let me say that again. We can be saved without virginity, but not without humility. Even Mary's virginity, says St. Bernard, would not have been pleasing to God without humility. Mary certainly pleased God by her virginity, but she became his mother because of her humility. Thus are the words of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. So finally, who was that little boy in today's scene? Did you know that St. Francis de Sales says that little boy became St. Ignatius of Antioch, the great bishop and martyr of the early church? Did you ever think a big saint, a great saint like him, would also be seen as a saint of the little way? St. Francis de Sales writes, The fact is this. Our Lord, seeing a little child one day, picked him up, kissed him, and showed him to the apostles, saying, I tell you solemnly, unless you become like this little child, you will never enter paradise. Many say that this child was St. Marshall, who later became Bishop of Limoges, but the more common opinion is that it was St. Ignatius the Martyr. Oh, how blessed was this glorious St. Ignatius, since he was taken up into our, our Lord's arms and given as an example to the Apostles! How precious and sweet was that kiss! What sacred, secret words our Lord said to this happy child as he kissed him! How blessed he was to allow himself to be carried and handled by the Saviour! who rewarded him by engraving his own sacred name in the depths of his heart that was from the sermon on the purification of mary by saint francis de sales doctor of the church so let me just add quickly here and we'll finish up that means that saint ignatius of loyal or saint ignatius of antioch he fulfilled this teresian ideal of childlike trust even as this great bishop and martyr you see i don't think christ would have ever chosen ignatius of antioch as that boy from all of time, to be such an example of humility if he thought he would lose that great gift of humility. Christ would have known as God that only St. Ignatius of Antioch in that certain way would keep that childlike attitude his whole life, which, in some sense, I guess we could say ironically, from our modern point of view, gave him the strength of martyrdom. So, I propose we start to see this childlike way of humility as the only way to become a small saint or a great saint, a great martyr, because next to our Lord there are only small saints. Please say an hour, Father, for me that I may practice what I preach. At benedictio de omnipotentis, Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, descendet super vos et mani et semper. Amen.